everyone. My name is Pastor Maya Rodriguez. I want to welcome you to my weekly podcast. It is a true privilege to be able to share the good news of God's Word with you. Enjoy. Welcome to church. Oh, come on. I don't know if it's the fact that we had an extra hour of sleep or the fact that I'm, I'm literally tweaking because I'm over-caffeinated, but I'm ready for church today. Is anyone else ready to have church today? Oh, come on. I need to hear y'all. Who's ready for church today? Yes. My gosh. The worship. We had communion. We had baptisms. What a wonderful Sunday. If it's your first time, this is a VIP Sunday. How many of you have been enjoying our Open Door series? Yes. We've been talking about being an open door these past couple of weeks. And I know that it's been a blessing to our church, but to me, I've taken every single note that they put on there. I've been re-watching on YouTube. So if you ever want to go back and listen to our notes, it's awesome. Just log into YouTube and get those gems. These are wisdom that you don't want to lose out on. This is wisdom that our pastors and everyone who's sharing every single week is pouring hours into studying and bringing you practical tips and practical ways to bring heaven down to earth. Can I get an amen? We're going to start in Colossians 4.2. This is our anchor verse that we've been reading every single week. And I just want to focus, refocus ourselves. Guys, if you have not been paying attention these past couple of weeks, this is your wake-up call. Pay attention. This is not wisdom that you want to miss out on. Colossians 4.2 says this. Pray diligently. It's telling us even how to pray. This is like praying for dummies. Like pray. Lazy? No. Pray diligently. Stay alert with your eyes wide open in gratitude. What I want us to remember is that when we are being open doors to people, you have to be aware. When someone, when your friend, you see that they start falling into a depression, it's your responsibility to pray diligently and keep your eyes open. Who else is going to do that for them? You are the person that has a direct connection to heaven. So when I see my friend and I see, hey, maybe they're falling back into their eating disorder again. I'm going to be the answer to their prayer. I'm going to stay alert in my prayers. With your eyes wide open in gratitude, don't forget to pray for us that God will open the door for telling the mystery of Christ. Even while I'm locked up in this jail, pray that every time I open my mouth, I'll be able to make Christ plain as day to them. Church, go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to pray for this word today. God, we just ask that you would allow us, give us the words to pray diligently. What does that mean? Not to pray over and over the same thing. Give us a new anointing, a fresh anointing to be able to pray new prayers, not reciting things, not routine, but a new prayer that we will not get used to this. Let us not get used to this. Let us pray for people with gratitude, with hearts open for them that Break our hearts for what breaks yours, Jesus. That we will be able to make Christ plain as day to those who are around us. That when people encounter us, they will be able to tell that there's an anointing on us. That they will be able to say, that person's different. I don't know what it is, but they have the Spirit of God on them. Help us listen to this word and let it not go in one ear and out the other. Let us not just listen, but hear the word of God. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Everybody say amen. amen. Let it be done. That's what amen means if you don't know. My message today is titled, Progress is a Process. Tell your neighbor, progress is a process. Now, what I've seen these past couple of weeks with this message, with this series that we've been learning is, this is an assignment by God given to this church. 
being an open door is not an option that we get to do. This is an assignment set on each and every person in this room. Being an open door is your assignment, church. Are you understanding? Are you with me? You are an open door. You are to be an open door, and that is the assignment from God. Our vision is know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Make a difference is the assignment given after we get to know God. The first three parts of the vision is about us. We get to know God. It is a privilege to understand who God is. It is a privilege to have a relationship with him. It is a privilege to be in intimacy with the creator. Are you understanding this? This is not normal. The fact that we get to be in relationship, that he knows you, the king of kings, the creator of everything knows you, that is a privilege. And that is for us. We get to know God. Come on, give him glory. The next part of the vision, find freedom. We get to find freedom. We get to throw off our chains of bondage. We get to throw off the chains of generational curse. The things that have plagued our families no longer plague us. We have found freedom in Christ. Is anyone free from the shackles of the enemy? We are free from depression. We get to be free from addiction, of insecurities. We get to be free. And that is a privilege and an honor. Then we discover our purpose in God. We get to try out all of our God-given gifts. Some of you are like, well, I don't have God-given gifts. I promise you, you have a God-given gift for something. You have maybe not discovered it yet, but each of us have gifts that we can use to reach the kingdom. It may be serving in church. It could be, maybe you're super art and creative. I love creative people. Those are my people. I love creative people, videographers, photographers, graphic designers. I love, love, love. I'm not any of those things per se, but I love to dive into that world. I love creative. I love fashion. That's something I love. That's one of my God-given gifts. I do say so myself. Can I get an amen? No, I'm just kidding. It's okay. It's okay. You don't have to agree. But those are God-given gifts that we get to discover. Maybe you're a people person. I'm a people person. I love people. I love talking to people, and I could talk all day. If you give me this mic and don't put a timer, we'll be here for four hours. Trust me. Give me a topic. I got you. I may not know a lot about it, but I'm going to talk. That's my God-given gift. We get to discover our God-given gifts. That third part of the vision is also about us. But the problem is, is when we stay here, we stay at number three. This is known as the kitty table. Now, Thanksgiving is coming up. Is anybody ready for that ham that turkey, the rolls, the mac and cheese, the garlic roasted mashed potatoes, yes? Nobody's hungry? I'm hungry. I'm already... Yes, we're hungry. We're a hungry church. It's fine. We're foodies. I remember growing up, I, my mom has a lot of sisters, and we do Thanksgiving with my mom's family, so all the cousins sit at the kitty table, okay? It's, if you know anything about the kitty table, it's where you're banished to from the age of like from the ripe age of like two, because before two, you can be like in the high chair, you know, but after that, no, 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 you're on your own, you're banished to the kitty table from age two to like sometimes 13, but some of y'all were there till 30. Like I know some people, some people, they're like, sorry, we have a lot of elderlies, you're banished to the kitty table. So, um, yeah, I find myself, you know, at 13 years old, still at the kitty table. And my gosh, I look to my left and I see a whiner cousin. A whiner, please, I don't want stuffing. And I'm like, 
I'm not meant to be at this table anymore. Like, I look to my right, a whiner. I don't like gravy. My gosh, my cousins are such whiners. And then I look to the other side. They're like, I want more mac and cheese. I want more mac and cheese. I want more mac and cheese. They want, want, want for them. We want, want, want what we want, want, want. Want, want, want. It's give me, give me, give me. I get to know God. I get to find freedom and I get to discover my purpose. But when am I going to graduate? So I approached my mom on my 13th year, I remember. Um, and I was like, mom, I need to talk to you. My cousins are unwell. They are unhinged and they are not okay. Um, and I think it's time for me to go to the grown-up table. Like, it's time for me to go to the grown-up table. And, you know, I was scared to ask because I know that going to the adult table has different responsibilities. Am I going to have the correct table etiquette? Am I, what if I put my elbows on the table? My mom hates when I put my elbows on the table. That's for the kitty table. But when you go to the adult table, you got to behave differently. When you're at the adult table... You don't whine, and you don't say, I want, I want. Not everything is catered to you when you graduate. I, I'm not talking about a kitty table, if you guys are understanding. As believers, we need to graduate. We need to mature from the kitty table. Some of us spend 30, 40, 50, I know 80-year-old believers that are still at this kitty table. What can I get from God? God hasn't blessed me. I wanted it this way, God, or on my timetable. When are you going to get up and say, hey, Father, take me to the adult table. I need more than this. I need to go out and make a difference for other people. You may ask yourself, am I going to know how to evangelize to other people? Am I going to know how to be an open door to other people? But you know what? You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be willing. I'm sure when you're a parent and... You want your child to graduate from the kitty table. You're like, come on, you're going to hang out with the adults now. Or, you know, the first time you bring your kid to a fancy dinner. You're not expecting them to be, oh, hello, you're so posh, and I'm going to have. You're not expecting that. You're just expecting that when you, what you ask of them, try your best. All you expect as a parent is for them to try their best. Can we try our best for God? Can we try our best today? God, I'm not perfect, but I'm willing. I'm your good and faithful servant. Wherever you tell me to go, I will follow. I believe that what God is doing in us is not just for a moment, not just for this year and not just for this generation, but I believe this goes way beyond us, that the spreading of God's word and the gospel goes far beyond momentary faith, but that it is a faith that will be carried out from generation to generation. I am so grateful that we go to a church that believes in generations, that we see from the most elderly to the youngest just worshiping God's name. That we don't have a church that in, in grace kids, they're just teaching them how to color and put stickers all over their face. That they're teaching them the love of God. But this cannot stay here in these four walls. We have to graduate from the kiddie table and go out into the world. Church, are you ready for that? I want to give you practical tips today on how to make this evangelism thing seem a little less intimidating. And no, we are not the type of church to scare you into conversion. We're not going to shock you into conversion. I'm not going to scare you into a relationship with Christ. I'm not going to scream at you or badger you with accusations or guilt you with your past. No, that's not this type of church. 
We are the type of church that is the answer to someone else's prayer. We say this all the time. This is kind of our motto. We are the answer to someone else's prayer. We pray this, God, make us the answer to someone else's prayer. And, you know, sometimes when we say things so many times, we kind of forget the magnitude of what it is that we are saying. But when I think of make me the answer to someone else's prayer, it's, it's deeper than just a light prayer, uh, something so routine When we become the answer to someone's prayer, oftentimes it is a prayer that that person hasn't prayed yet. If it's going to take you a moment to get with me, I'm going to explain. Our goal isn't to only be the answer to someone that is praying. We're not only called to be the answer to a person that already knows how to pray. Are you understanding? Sometimes the prayer that we are the answer to is a prayer that's never been spoken before. The answer that I want to be, yes, I want to be the answer to everyone's prayer in this room. And I'm happy that I get to do so. But our calling as believers is to go and be the answer to people who don't know what prayer is. Who've never uttered the words, amen. Or thank you, Jesus, for this day, who don't know God as a father. I want to be the answer to someone who thinks crystals is a good prayer. I want to be the answer to someone who thinks that their life is bad because Mercury's in retrograde. I want to be their answer because I want to go deeper than, oh, well, that sucks. Because that's what they're hearing out there. That's what my friends from school are hearing out there. I hear one tells them, dude, this happened to me and this happened to me. Oh, that sucks. It's because your vibe is off. Okay. It's because, like, like you're Scorpio, so, like, the Leo in him is just bringing some bad vibes. I want to be their answer. I want my life to be like, where have you been all my life? Where has that love been? Where has that wisdom? It doesn't come from me. It comes from the source. It comes from God. That's the answer that I want to be. I don't know about you, but I want to be the answer to give hope to give life, to give freedom by sharing Christ to people who don't even know what it is that they're looking for. I want to be the, become the answer, the help, the love, and the hope for those who don't even know what prayer is. And I believe there's salvation coming in this house. Come on, can anyone believe that with me? I believe there's salvation coming upon this house. Because God is beginning to stir something in your heart during this series. You're thinking of that person that you love that is your friend, that is maybe your husband, maybe it's your family member, maybe it's someone that you met, someone that you went to school with, your coworker. It's Their name is stirring in your heart at this moment, and you're saying, gosh, I just wish they were here. Or not even here in this place, I wish they knew you, God. I wish they had a salvation. I wish they gave their life to you. I believe that God is stirring something in our hearts as a church, preparing us to be the answer to that prayer for someone else. I believe that there will be opposition when it comes to this. Church, don't think that just because you're like, I'm going to go spread the word of God, there's never going to be something that scares you. Or there's never going to be fear that tries to come in one ear and tries to be like, it's fine. Like, they're going to think you're weird. So like, just don't say anything. There's going to be opposition because when God opens a door of faith, fear will offer you a door of escape. When God opens a door of faith, 
fear will offer you a door of escape. God is going to place each and every single one of you in situations where you have the opportunity to be an open door for someone, where you can be the difference in their lives, where everyone around them is telling them bad news, is telling them you're good for nothing, you're insecure, and you're going to be the open door for them. Or they're coming to you with their problem, like maybe it's a friend that's coming to you with something that they're going through, something really heavy that they're going through, and they're asking you for advice, and you're teetering whether, well, we don't really talk about God, so maybe I should just give them practical tips and not so much like bring God into it, because then they're going to think I'm a weird Christian. Fear will offer you that door of escape. Instead, you're going to be like, it's fine. Like, I'm just going to give them like a self-care day. I'm going to take them to the spa. And that's great. And that's going to be good for a moment. But what we have to offer them goes so much further than a a self-care day. Don't let fear, because sometimes that looks good. Sometimes fear will disguise itself and be like, it's fine. Just be a good friend to them. Just bake them a cake. It's fine. And yes, it's going to fill their bellies. But what's going to fill their soul? We, have, we can do self-care and give them the word of God. We can give them rest and revelation. There are two ways that fear can come in. The first, the, both of them are relational, which is hard because we love, most people love people. And if you don't, you should pray about it because uh, the first time God ever said it is not good is when man was alone. So relationships are important, yes? Relationships with people, if you don't, like relationships with people, you better pray about it. And I'll pray for you after service. Um, These are the two ways that fear comes to try to distract you and offer that door of escape so that you're not able to tell them about God. Number one is your relationship with that person. Will they see me as a weird Christian? Maybe you have a relationship with someone where it's just like, we're just fun friends. Like, we have fun together. We joke together. We go on vacations together. We go out all night downtown together but we do not get deep because if we get deep, it leads to talking about God and then they're going to think I'm a weird religious person and then our relationship is going to be off because then they're not going to like, then they're going to feel weird about inviting me out to dinner because then they're going to think they can't drink uh, a cocktail because then they're going to think that I'm going to banish them to hell. We, we start to think like that. We're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't tell that school friend about God or like that kind of thing because then they're going to see us differently. This is, is, and am I the only one that feels this way sometimes when talking to people about God? Like, you're like, I don't want them to see me differently. Maybe your coworkers. For me, it's my clients. I do lashes all day, and you should hear what these ladies, I'm a lash artist slash therapist, because these ladies, I see them for two hours every two weeks. And honestly, the price is very low for what they tell me. Like, I'm emotionally drained after that. I'm like, thank God I have the Holy Spirit in me, because if not, I'd be like, after my day. But they'll tell me all these things, and you know what they tell me? I... I love what the point that I think we said week one or week two, and it said the greatest sermon you'll ever preach is the life you live. And when they're telling me about all their things, I try not to use words like, well, God, like I'll just say love because God is love. So I'll, tr- I'll try, you know, because of my fear. I don't want them to be like, oh my gosh, this religious woman. I just told her about my booty call last night and now she's going to judge me. I promise you I'm not judging you, girl. I'm just doing your lashes. So I'm like, you know, they're telling me about all their things that they've done. And I'll give them, like, just what the Bible says, but in, like, not biblical way. Like, y'all just be like, well, you know, maybe you should do this and do that. And they're like, you are so wise. You are, like, wise beyond your years. You're 23. No. It feels like you've been married 20 years. And that's when I break it to them. Um, Sometimes there is 
a thing of maybe, maybe I should just not say anything and just take the, take the compliment and be like, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm pretty smart. But I know that that is what fear is putting in my ear. Because what if I know, every time, I'll tell you, without fail, every time I have shared my faith, they're always like, wow, I've been wanting to return to church. I've been wanting to do this. I've been wanting to do this. I used to go to church or I used to have a connection with God. But, you know, as the years went by, this and this happened. Oh, me and my husband used to go to church. Every, not once has it been met with opposition. Sometimes we put our own hindrances. We put our own blockades. We're like, oh, it's because they're going to judge me. I promise you the world needs you more than you know. The world is not, what you see on so, social media makes it seem like, oh, we hate Christians. Honestly, in real life, people are not that mean. It's, it's mostly on TikTok and Twitter. Like, I promise you, people in real life, if I'm having a conversation with you, with love and with my intentions of, of not to judge you, but with love, and I promise you, if you approach someone in the way that God has called us to, you're not going to be met with opposition because you are so different than what they've encountered their whole lives. I promise you, fear is going to, Talk all that mess in your ear. Oh, they're going to see you differently. I promise you, they're going to want to be your friend more. They're going to want to hear what you have to say. Because what the advice you give, we're not talking about advice. This is not advice. This is life tools from God, from heaven. The other way that fear tries to come in and offer you a door of escape is with your relationship with God. Because what happens when you say, okay, God, I'm going to... I'm going to take that extra step. I'm going to be the open door. I'm going to share with my lash clients or with wherever I live. I mean, wherever I work. I'm I'm going to share with my coworkers. I'm going to share with that cousin that's drunk every Thanksgiving. I'm going to share with that tia that's had six boyfriends this week. I'm going to share. I'm going to do it. It's in your hands. The problem where fear wants to get in our ear is when we hand it off to God. We fear that what if I put everything on the line for you, God, and and you don't do it on my timetable? What if I said, God, I'm going to invite my family to church, but if they're not here within the month, you've given up? Or I've been praying for this person to come, out of, to come out of addiction. I've been praying, I've been praying. And when they don't, you fear that your relationship, that you won't see God the same anymore. You fear maybe God isn't big enough to do this. Or how about this? What if you... Share with, share with that person about God, and they deny God. And now you have a distance between you and that family member. Because they see you, and they see you as a crazy person, and you're saying, God, I've asked you for this, and now there's a distance between the relationship of my brother and I. Now we can't even have a conversation because he sees me as a crazy Christian. What happens when fear comes to say that in your ear? You can do two things when you come to this open door. You can ignore the door, which many of us have done, because we run at 100 miles per hour. We are in a microwave, Instagram, Insta, car, Insta, everything generation, where everything is quick. You can just start a new series on Netflix and forget about the open door that you were supposed to be. We can scroll our lives away, download a new recipe that we want to do this week in the air fryer. God can open the door and you can ignore it. Do you understand this? God can open the door for you and you can choose to ignore it. You can walk away. Or you can be still. Psalm 5610 says this. Be still and know that I am God. This is the most counter-cultural verse that there is, I think. Because while the world is saying, do this, grind hard, 
hustle all day, every day. More money is better. More money, more problems, okay? The most countercultural verse, because it's saying, while everything is in chaos, be still and trust in me. Plant the seed of the gospel into those who you love and be still. Turn those fears into faith-filled prayers over them. And you know what those will do? If you start to be still and know that God is who he says he is, that he is the name above all names, that he is the king of kings, that he is alpha and omega, if you believe that he is Jehovah Jireh, the provider, if you believe that and your prayers turn into faith-filled prayers, you start to look different to them. Your attitude will change. You won't be so bratty anymore. You won't be ready to pop off on someone real quick. That's not a flex. Pray. Because the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And if you're lacking self-control, you better pray over the fruit of the Spirit for you. You think it's fun to be a brat? Pray. You need the fruit of the Spirit in your life today. This is not even in my notes. But sometimes I feel that way. If I'm feeling out of control, a little bit chaotic, I got to be like, God, give me the fruits of the Spirit. When my beliefs don't mean much to you, I want my actions to overwhelm you. Are you listening? When the word of God, when the physical Bible is a turnoff to somebody, let your life overwhelm them. Let your life be so magnetic to them that they say, I want what they have. In situations when we're under attack, that person is docile. In situations where it's chaotic and people are coming out of them saying things to them, being discriminatory, guess what? I'm not going to return that. I'm going to answer with grace and love because that is what I've been called to do. And when other people see that you're acting that way, that's when your life is preaching to them. Because I can get up here all day and talk on the mic and you can take notes and I could post this on my Instagram and get claps. But what matters to God is what I look like out there. How do I respond to opposition? How do I respond to people? What's my attitude to not believers? When my beliefs don't mean much to you, I want my life to preach to you every single day. When the Bible verses I post don't do anything for you, I want the hope that I exude to be something that you desire. What does that look like? It looks like judging. Instead of judging others, I offer them grace. When others hate, I love. It looks like when everyone else says it's dead and they've declared death over it, I say, I know my father can bring this back to life. I know my father can breathe life into these dry bones. When Bible verses on your Insta story are all you do, but you treat others with hate, you are misrepresenting Christ. And at that point, take the verses off because you are doing more harm than good. People don't need more verses pushed in their face. They need living proof of the living God, of you and me. I want the fruits of my life to overwhelm those around me, and I want them to want what I have. If someone looks at your life, not the material things you have, but if someone looks at your life, the family you have, the joy you have, the attitude, would they want it? This is a reality check. If someone looks at the fruits of your life, and I'm not just talking about how much money you have in your bank account. I'm talking about the joy that you have, unity, the spirit of love. Would they want your life? If not, this is a reality check. John thirteen thirty five says this, By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. It doesn't say they will know you by your Insta post. 
or they will know you by how long you've served on the dream team or how they will know you by your Bible verse tattoo or how many services you go to on a Sunday. It says, if you love one another. And progress is a process, church. When you're in planting that seed, when you're inviting someone to church, it doesn't happen overnight. I've seen it in my own friend group. Like Hannah, for example. Hannah, my bestie Hannah. When she first came to church, she was sleeping. I'm, and I can say that now because I see the living proof of that progress is a process. Because when I see her raise her hands, someone that didn't grow up in church, it fills my life with joy. I don't want to cry. I always cry. Just knowing that someone can go from not knowing God to having a relationship with him that is worth far more than any money, any luxury item. That is the greatest gift. When your family member is here and they've changed their life and they've turned away from death, you will feel this way too. When you know that they were destined for hell, because I'm not that's I'm not sugarcoating it. That's what the Bible says. I believe the Bible. We all believe the Bible. If you do not confess with your mouth and believe and understand and receive salvation, that is where everyone is going. I was destined for there. We were all destined for there. And at some point, we received the gift of grace. We didn't deserve it, but at some point we received it and we recognized it. Other people do not get the opportunity. You are the only direct connection to some people to heaven. Sometimes no one will know God if it's not. That is a responsibility and assignment placed on each and every one of us. We cannot take it lightly, church. We cannot take it lightly. If you know someone in your life that you've been putting off being that open door for them. Can we stand? Can we stand to our feet today? I want you to pray a prayer today. We have a couple minutes left. Can you give two minutes, two minutes to that person, that family, that family member, that coworker that you know needs a touch from heaven, that you know has been running from, from Christ or that you know needs to come to the feet of Jesus. Every single person in this room, worship team, every person in the media team, I know you know someone that needs Christ. I know you know someone that doesn't have the gift of salvation. That should be a heavy burden on your heart. This This is an assignment placed on each and every one of us as believers. Can we take two minutes to pray for them right now? Lift your voice if you feel comfortable to. God, in the name of Jesus, we pray for that person, that person that we have not had the boldness to talk to yet. That person that we have not made that connection with yet. God, we ask that you would touch their lives, that they would see the way we live our lives, that they would see the good news, not just words that we say, but the life we live. Let it be a direct connection to heaven through us, God. Let us be the answer to their prayer. Maybe they've never prayed a prayer. That does not matter. What we want to do is be the answer to that void that they've been trying to fill with drugs, with alcohol, with sex, everything that they've been trying to fill that void that hole in their hearts that is a God-shaped hole. The hole that can only be filled by the power of your Holy Spirit. In this moment, we know that every empty seat in this place will be filled with the friends and family members of this congregation. That family, that that 
friend that denies Christ time and time again, let their hearts melt away. Let that hardened heart become soft again. Let them be receptive to the word of God, to the hope of this world that we have found, God. We do not take this assignment lightly. Give us the strength. Give us the courage. Give us the wisdom and give us the words to go out into the world and be an open door for our generation. We pray this prayer in the mighty name of Jesus, the name that is above all names, the name that can restore families, the name that can restore marriages, the name that can heal cancer, that can heal medical issues. God, the name that can heal families in the name of Jesus. Great City Church says, amen. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your family, friends, frenemies. Lord knows we all need more Jesus. Until next week.